0: Uh, We'll we'll make a start. Hello, everyone, and welcome along to Northumberland FA podcast from the sidelines with me, Gary Middleton, and our special guest today, uh, FA regional coach developer Ryan Davies.
1: Welcome along, Ryan. How are you? Very well, thanks, Gary. Thank you very much for inviting me. A real pleasure to be here and uh, following the footsteps of some illustrious names. So thank you very much for inviting me along. Thanks,
0: Ryan. Yeah. Uh, Could you just explain? to everyone uh, out there listening, just your current role at the FA, present and, and
1: other engagements within football that you have? Yeah, so um, I'm part of the, the North East Coach Development Team, obviously at England Football, uh, alongside Pav Singh and Suey Smith, who I know will be familiar with, uh, familiar names to, to your regular listeners. I know I've been on the podcast before. Um, my specific area of focus is, is physical education. So I work with universities, teachers um cco coaches at professional clubs um supporting their delivery and and hopefully helping them to to provide inspirational experiences for those they're working with and and ultimately you know generate that lifelong love of pe sport and football for for as many as possible and you know that's ultimately what drives me to do what i do um prior, prior to joining the, the fa i was a i was a pe teacher for for 10 years um both here in the uk and abroad in the canary islands as well right. and and for the majority of that time I uh, combined you know teaching with working in part-time professional football as well firstly at uh, Middlesbrough Football Club and, and then at Manchester City uh, initially as a as a talent ID scout um and then as a coach um and also been fortunate enough to to gain experience coaching in different parts of the world um so like Spain Australia America and you know really fortunate that's provided me great learning opportunities to to get insight into to different cultures and and coaching methods mm-hmm. And then um, currently, alongside my, my day-to-day, to, day-to-day work with with the FA at the moment, I'm also coaching in the in the female talent pathway um, this season, working with York City RTC and their under sixteen squad. Are we finding that Ryan? it's it's, it's brilliant. You know, yeah. it's absolutely absolutely fantastic. It's a great club to be at, and um, you know, really passionate about you know developing the the opportunities for female players. You know, one of the things that really drives me is. You know it really sticks in my mind conversations I had with with my mum when I was growing up and you know opportunities that she never got when she was yeah. younger to play football that she would have absolutely loved and grabbed with both hands that just just weren't there. So that's something that's always been you know my why really and you know really driven me to provide these opportunities. So you know being fortunate enough to to work at Manchester City and then you know went over from the boys academy into working with their RTC and then um obviously carrying that on in my day-to-day work with with the fa and 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 alongside that with york city as well it's yeah no it's fantastic brilliant sounds, sounds like you're busy ryan <laughs> <laughs> we all are in football Gary, yes
0: we, we are. are we are <laughs> um and the, the the topic where we're covering today um it's called blindness within football
1: uh what is color blindness yeah so it's this is obviously you know something i'm passionate about you know i'm I'm colorblind myself and it's you know color blindness is probably something that you know people listening have, have probably got varying degrees of understanding of Um, you know to put it simply it's it's an inability to see colors normally so for me as someone who's colorblind i see colors differently to most people so um that can lead to a lot of colors looking the same um so things that you might see as red, I might think that the green or brown or, you know, they might be next to each other and they might look exactly the same to me. Um, well, without delving too much into the science of it, basically, you know, colour is absorbed through our, through three nerve cells in our in our eyes. And um, those three nerve cells or cones work together to allow us to see a full range of colour. And for someone who's colorblind, one of those cones doesn't work, which which means that colours, you know, ultimately end up looking the same. Um, there are there are different severities of it. So, uh, you know, when when I tell people I'm colourblind, some people automatically assume that I just see in black and white, which which isn't the case of myself. And it is only in very very severe cases that you would be anywhere kind of near that. Um, you know, the most common type of colour blindness is is red green colour blindness. So red and green looking very similar or identical. Um, I'm, I'm a little bit more severe than that. So for example, red green and red green and brown all look identical in many cases to me same with blue and purple uh, pink and grey uh, yellow and light greens so for example manchester united's new new third kit that i think they wore for the first time the other day you know i was adamant it was a bright luminous yellow and apparently it's a, it's, a, it's a green colour so you know i can even when i think i'm sure of a colour i'm i'm not um yeah. and then you know things like dark reds and navies blacks and navies and probably the best way to describe it is I see more like in, in shades than colours. So if there's two dark colours next to each other, because of the shades of them, they, they can look very similar. So like I said, I haven't delved too much into the science of it, but that's a kind of a little bit of a summary of as to as to what it is and and my kind of experiences or a little bit of my experiences around it.
0: Ryan, right. how did that affect you when you when you played in your younger days? And I suppose as you've developed as a as a coach. Has it affected you in, in in many ways? This,
1: yeah, I mean, obviously, as you can imagine, the biggest the biggest issue I've had is is kit clashes. You know, um, when when you see two colours the same, and you've got teams with with those two colours on, it, it just looks like I've had many occasions where it looks like all twenty all twenty outfield players on the pitch have have been wearing the same kit, mm-hmm. and obviously that's you know that, that's a major issue. Yeah. Um, you know. In terms of how it's, you know, just a specific example or a couple from from my playing career, if you like. So I, I used to play for Scarborough, who, you know, wear an all red kit. And mm-hmm. there was actually, you know, one occasion where, you know, our team, we, we were playing, we were playing at home in our red kit and uh, the opposition actually wore their away kit, which, which you know, we weren't expecting and their away kit was all green. And I actually had to say, you know, that I couldn't play in the game because there the, the, the weren't any other kits available. And, it just looked like the, the kits were identical to me. Um, other instance, you know, I I grew up going to going to the Riverside Stadium watching Middlesbrough, and I got on, got um, an opportunity to play in a cup final there. And as we came out of changing rooms, lined up in the tunnel, our team was in a blue kit and the opposition were in a purple kit. And again, you know, it was it was a case of I had to make a decision: do I play or not? On that occasion, Stadium had always wanted to play out. I was a little bit more selfish and just there uh, and played the game, but. It, it was it wasn't my best performance because every time I got the ball, I went back to our goalkeeper because that was the only person I was confident was on my team. Or I tried going some mazy dribble from centre back, which didn't go down too well with my teammates on a lot of occasions. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I think that's that's probably obviously the biggest impact. I'm I'm sure we'll you know as we go we'll talk about other yeah. other things, but that's obviously the the primary one to, to to be aware of and considering the fact that you know two two kits that might look different to the majority of people can look identical to. Mm to someone who's colorblind. And how many people does does this affect Ryan? so it's it's probably more than the majority of people think. Um, so the, the, you know this the, these stats surprised me as I started doing more and more work in this in this area. Um, it's actually one in twelve men and one in two hundred right. women have some degree of colorblindness. Now, like i said the most common is is that red green so it might might just be the case that um it's it's only a, a small degree um but you know certainly when i think back to you know when i was at school i went to a school that had nearly 300, 300 children and as far as i was aware in the school where i was the only colorblind person but you know looking back there must have been other people who just yeah. who just didn't realize it as well obviously i was identified because i, I was quite severely colorblind the the reason it affects more males and females is um, it's carried on the X chromosome so you know when it's when it's transferred through DNA that it, it's obviously more common in men so for, for example um my granddad was severely colorblind he passed it to my mum who's not colorblind but she very kindly passed it to me right. <laughs> so yeah so it you know just to, just puts that into some kind of context. So that's about that's over three million people in in the UK who who will have some form of colour blindness. Um, and you know, to bring it back to football, if you you were at Wembley, ninety thousand watching an England game, there's probably about five thousand people in that stadium who who might have some some degree of colour blindness. Um, the wow. you know the probably the, the biggest thing to consider for for people listening in today is that you know. Particularly in, in male football, if you think one in twelve people will have some degree of colour blindness, then that's probably one in every every squad. So you know whether they know it or not, that that might be affecting their performance and, and affecting them. And probably the biggest thing is that again they might not know it because um, it used to be a case that people and you know uh, older people on the, who are listening might might remember that they got tested at school for colour blindness, which. You know a few decades ago that was that the funding for that stopped. So um children might be you know not recognized as being called blind even when they are because now you'd have to actually go yourself to an opticians to get tested mm-hmm. as opposed to it you know taking place in school
0: mm-hmm. Ryan, how does how does that impact well your day-to-day life and others that have this?
1: So it's you know it's, it's it's probably you know just little things. you know again, going back to my childhood little things like, you know, when you're colouring coloring in pictures at school, at home, you know, I I, had, I was drawing pictures and then they had purple skies, they had red grass, you know, little things like that. I remember, I remember once, and I'm, I'm sure my age, Gary, but um we had to, I remember a year nine art project and we had to, we had to make a clear model of, of your hero. And, you know, my hero was Steve McManaman. You know, I love the way he played, just that freedom, taking people on. So I did this, well, I thought it was brilliant. Looking back, it probably wasn't brilliant, Gary. I'm not an artist, but it was uh, this model of Steve McManaman. And the last thing I did was was painting his hair. And then I did not realised until I was finished that I'd done this bright green hair on Steve McManaman. <laughs> um, so, you know, you know, just little things like that. Obviously, um, probably a big one day today is just simple things like buying clothes, like, you know, going into a shop. And unless they say on the label what color they are. Then it's a bit of a potluck and a bit of a guess, and I've had a few nightmares of my time uh, doing that. Um, you know, other things like, you know, just things like food labels on food. You know, in terms of amount of sugar, amount of calories, they're all like kind of traffic lights. Which, again, um, you know, just just look the same to me. Um, I remember once uh, at school, there was quite a strict policy at my school that you had to wear grey school socks, and I remember turning up one day in year seven with a pair of my mum's bike bright pink socks so uh, again you know j- j- just just little things like that um and then I'll, I'll, you know for work uh, you know travel down to london quite a bit things like the tube map so when you look okay. on the on the right hand side it's got the key and then i can't match the colors up on in terms mm-hmm. of which lines which um, and then obviously you know day-to-day involved in football watching games can can uh, is, is is a massive impact um you know you know thinking about the northeast uh, obviously, it hasn't uh, hasn't happened as often as uh, maybe Sunderland fans would like, but when Newcastle are playing Sunderland, and, you know, traditionally, both teams in, you know, black and white stripes, red and white stripes, obviously, black shorts, and then red and black socks. Mm-hmm. Now, because I see in those shades, they're both dark colours, so to me, it just looks like two teams wearing exactly the same kit because they're both in, you know, th- there's, there's no break in it, so... Yeah that can be really frustrating. You know, it's like, are you really looking forward to watching a game? You know, you sit down, turn the television on and then a team's wearing a kit that matches the other team's kit and you can't tell who's playing. And mm-hmm. yeah, that that that's probably, you know, in terms of just just little things and, and even just in general conversation, you know, when people are describing things like, oh, do you see that red car or can you pass me the blue pen? And you, just little things that, you're probably, insignificant, but, you know, just little frustrations yeah. when you, you don't know the answer to that, if that makes yeah. sense.
0: So, I think you know what what issues can the condition cause in the football environment Then not just from your own experiences?
1: Yeah. so obviously you mentioned that you know the major one in terms of those those kick clashes, yeah, um but the, lots of other things as well um to consider. So you know the big one in in terms of you know training sessions, things like bibs, you know, same issue as mm-hmm. as on a match day, just just different bibs we've been looking at. Um, you know I'm fortunate that you know people at the FA ask for advice on on, on equipment and things that mm-hmm. they're buying for, from me to get my perspective on it and you know manufacturers at the moment they're looking at purchasing you know new bibs for all the coach developers and they're looking at reversible ones and you know the options were uh, one side was green and one side was orange and, and they the same to me another option was one side was light blue and one side was like a pinky pastel color and again they both look the same so you know little things like that in terms of um, you know, bibs in training looking the same. Other things like cones. You know, the most common one is red cones on green grass, which you know can't be seen. And so you might, you know, from a coaching perspective, have a player who keeps, you know, running past the the zone that you're playing yeah. in because yeah. they, they can't see they can't see the area that's marked out. Um, other aspects such as, you know, even you know it might not necessarily be a clash with the opposition, but it might be a clash with the referee. So, um, again, you know, when I'm watching Liverpool games, their kit, because it's all like quite, to me, quite a dark shade, or one colour block, and if the referee's all in black, then that looks, you know, very similar. So sometimes I think the referees play for Liverpool, uh, which, you know, opposition might fans might say happens quite a bit. Um, I, you know, I've had times in my career where I've passed the ball to the referee and people have just thought I'm a bad player, which might be the case. But, you know, <laughs> but, um, you know, so, you know, things like that, as well as, you know, you know, when I was younger, I was probably quite fortunate in the fact that, you know, all the footballs were white. Whereas now, you know, you can go into a sports shop or you can order your new kit for the season online and you can get any colour football that you want. Um, yeah. And that can be quite challenging, you know, if you've got a red football, on green grass or an orange football that, particularly from any distance, be- can become invisible to the player. Um which, again, you know, all these things could potentially be affecting um, players that the coaches who are, who are listening into this are working with. Um, so, you know, they're, they're, they're things um, that, have, you know, potential things that happen and, and just things that, you know, I've had to kind of deal with as well, even just things like I'll go and stand behind the red cone, you know, just just using, you know, the colour as, as, as the point of reference. Um, you know, reaction games where the coach might shout a colour, and you have to run, you know, as quick as you can, beat your beat your teammates to that colour, and and things like that. So, um, yeah, there's, you know, probably lots of things to consider. Um, but you know, hopefully we'll be able to touch on at some point. You know, it's not all bad because there are some there are some quite simple solutions, and, and hopefully we can get into that, which will be, uh, you know, hopefully valuable to the coaches who who might have players who are colour band that they're working with.
0: Yeah. Are there any professional players out there with colour blindness? So it's a, you know it's
1: a, it's a great question. The the answer to that is that there's very few that we actually know about. Right now, there's pro- there's two potential reasons for that. One might be because that they don't want people to know the colour blind, because you know it could potentially affect selection in, ga- mm-hmm. in certain games, and it might be something that the, you know they want to they want to keep to themselves for that reason you know, there's probably a lot of colourblind players out there who might not know necessarily that they are colourblind. Um obviously a bigger question to ask is, um, you know, are there not many professional colourblind players because they haven't got to an elite level, because that's maybe been a barrier in their way. Right. Yeah. You know, so yeah, that that that's something else to consider. Probably the, the highest profile um is probably Thomas Delaney. Um used to play for Borussia Dortmund, now plays for Sevilla uh, in and Denmark. Um he actually He he actually kind of came out as colourblind very publicly because there was actually a radio show in Denmark where they were talking about colourblindness. Because Denmark had been playing Mexico, who were wearing a green kit against Denmark's red kit, and and people had been, you know, who'd been watching the game had, had been ringing up and just saying that I couldn't tell the difference between the teams. And Tom Stellini actually rang up the radio station and said, "You know, it was difficult for those people watching. I was actually playing in the game and I couldn't tell the difference between the teams." So, um, yeah, he's probably the highest profile. Uh, Remy Allen, who plays for um, Aston Villa in the WSL, um, one of the one of the female players who's affected by colour blindness, and again, she, you know, um, w- was very vocal um, last year because there was a kick clash when they played Aston Villa, where again, both. Both teams look like they were wearing the same colour, the same colour top. So yeah, in answer to the question, there are there are one or two. There's probably a lot more we don't know about, but yeah. then there's probably bigger questions to be asked on that as to as to why we don't know there are more mm. colored line players, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So so what can we be doing as coaches, right? To support what players um who have this
1: are being
0: aware of that. Been yeah. out there really
1: yeah I feel like I've you know probably moaned a little bit about all all the problems and uh, you know essential pitfalls that we might come across if if you are colorblind or if if you're coaching someone a colorblind the uh, the good news I suppose and and probably the you know the big takeaway messages are that there's really simple solutions um you know the the biggest thing to remember is that a lot of the players that coaches are working with might not know they were colorblind. So it's a case of, if we can, using colors which, you know, are appropriate for even the most severe form of colorblindness, so then you don't need to worry about it, if that makes yeah. sense.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so, you know, if if people listening remember nothing else, then blue and yellow are the best colors to use because even with a severe form of colorblindness, those two things look really distinctively different. And so players can always differentiate between that. So. You know, I'm not expecting all the coaches on the call to go out and buy new equipment, but it's it's one of those things, you know, that if at this time of season or you know, begin the next season that your club are starting to look at new equipment for the new season, then you know, yellow and blue bibs are absolutely perfect. Um same with cones, yellow, blue, white cones, you know, ones that can be really clearly seen against darker backgrounds of pitches, you know, particularly obviously if you're playing in on grass or astro turf. So um, you know that's probably the, the the biggest thing just to just to remember that those blue and yellow or blue and white and having that big contrast in the colours as opposed to using things like red v greens or a light green against a yellow or a blue against a purple. So blue and yellow. I, I know Kate repeats me, but like I said, that's that's probably the big big takeaway message. Mm-hmm. Um, other things would be trying to avoid colour as as the only reference. So you know, like I said um the amount of times that the coaches have said to me i'll go and stand behind that color cone and yeah. i've just looked and th- 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 i haven't known which one it is so again it, what i've got i've just put numbers on my cones so you know really simple solution you can just draw, draw your numbers on the cones and then it's all going and stand behind cone five over there you know yeah. um yeah. Ju- ju- just little things like that and again you know tactics boards as well um you know potentially using symbols as opposed to um colors if that makes sense so it might be triangles for one team and circles for the others so you know it's just it's just trying to you know i suppose get in the habit of not just having color as the only reference Mm. and and then with the equipment that you're using like i said a nice bright white football or a luminous yellow football and then blue be yellow as the as the opposing teams if we can
0: yeah
1: yeah
0: ryan what's what's been done within football to support people are affected by colour blindness
1: yeah so the you know the, the good news is that compared to what was happening even you know five or six years ago there's there's been some massive steps taken and you know one organization i, d- I do want to mention is is colourblind awareness who are you know i've done a lot of work with personally and 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 through dfa as well um they are like the bible of colour blindness not not just in sport but across the board so I'd really encourage you know people who, who want to find out more about club blindness just to go to Club Blind Awareness, um the, their website and you know the amazing work that they they've they do. Um and like I said, they've worked with us at the FA. They've also we've also done um, we've done a project together uh, as an FA with with UEFA and club Blind Awareness as well. So we've um gone into clubs, so I've been into um Aston Villa, Sunderland, for example, and work with their coaches just to give them a little bit of insight into, you know, what it what it what it looks like for someone who's colourblind. So we've done things like um you know playing sabutio with two teams that are exactly the same colour and just to, to get that feel or playing a football match and everybody's wearing the same kit and you know just to kind of put people in that um in that environment of what of what it might feel like. Um, we've also um at, at the FA we've created uh, resources which are all, all on the website as well around um, advice sheets for coaches adv- advice mm-hmm. sheets for referees and um, there's a big guidance booklet which again Catherine from um, colourblind awareness has put together which is available on the uh, on the FA website to download as well which again just just goes through step by step in terms of what colour blindness is and um, issues it might cause but then you know a list of those solutions as well um, you know your UEFA like I said done, done some work with them and They've been they've been fantastic. It's it's probably not something that was picked up by non-colorblind people, but in the men's Euros last year, um, they had a really strict policy that it was a light kit against a dark kit. Right. So yeah. you know sometimes we might see in domestic football that teams will wear their away kit unnecessarily, which might actually, to a colorblind mm. person, be a lot closer to the home kit that, that the opposition than uh, than their their normal kit and. They really had that strict policy that it's a it's a dark kit against a work kit, which is which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Same in the um, in the women's Euros this uh, this summer. So one potential uh, clash that was going to cut was when England England were due to wear their orange work kit against Northern Ireland in green, which again uh, you know colourblind kit clash. Um, and they even went as far as England wearing the white shirts, white shots uh, and changing their their socks as well. Uh, to the orange socks to make sure that there wasn't a clash with the uh, with Northern Ireland socks. So, you know, it's it's fantastic. There's there's lots of work being done. Um, still, still work to be done. Um, and yeah. for example, you know, obviously the um, game not long ago, Liverpool and Bournemouth, the nine nil. And you know, twenty one colour blind watching that. I'm not sure what colour Bournemouth were wearing, but it looked the same as Liverpool's red kit. Um, I don't know if it was green or grey or whatever it was, but um, so there's still issues that that come up. A uh, big positive step in the right direction, as well, has been um, the EFL uh, actually introduced a new rule for this season that uh, clubs are encouraged to um, eat, or they can change their home kit even when they're at home if there's going to be a potential colourblind kit clash. So, for example, you know, last season Middlesbrough had a, a red home kit and a green away kit so for someone who's called blind whenever they played went away from home and played a team who were in red then you know you couldn't differentiate if you Mm -hmm. were club blind so there's now the afl have introduced a rule that if that was going to be the case then the home team are actually able to change if it makes it easy for blind viewers um which is you know like i said another big step in the right direction um i've you know, even last month, went down with with colourblind awareness and and represent the FA down at the House of Parliament and and spoke to um MPs and just gave them a little bit of a presentation and insight into into what's happening. And you know, there was a lot of them who were interested in how they could help positively affect in a football environment. So, yeah, yeah, you know, like I said, still work to be done, but some yeah. massive steps have been taken and 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 colourblind awareness that that organisation have really been leading on that.
0: Yeah, it's great to hear that there's uh, some real positive work within the governing bodies to to support this, yeah, you know.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um
0: Ryan, what would you say your key takeaway messages from today's podcast
1: would be for people out there listening in? Yeah, so I think it's probably the the, the key messages are that even if even if you had a team full of bat players, it doesn't have to be a problem. You know just just those simple solutions and you know i'd encourage people to go and go and have a look at the resources and the advice sheets on, on the fa website and you know just those simple solutions of choosing the colors when you're training and on match day that even if you have got colorblind players it, it you know it won't it won't be an issue uh, for them and like i said you know just being conscious of what colors really help and um, next time you are ordering kits and um, probably the you know the biggest one is around that red green kick clashes which you know i'm sure that you know i certainly see when i'm walking around you know and seeing grassroots football saturday sunday mornings and a lot of times i'll see a red via green and i often mm-hmm. think you know there's probably a colorblind player on that pitch who's really struggling in this game and yeah. the coaches might not not might not be aware of that um so it's you know again and i've got colleagues who i work with who really you know embrace this and always ensure that you know one team might put bibs on and, and and things like that just to make sure that there's that um that differentiation for the players because you know looking back I think I was quite fortunate that you know my grassroots team we wore a bright yellow kit and my school team wore a bright yellow kit so we didn't often come up against teams who who wore something similar to that mm-hmm. you know we yeah. came up against the reds and the greens the blues so there was always that contrast and I often think you know, would, have, would I have had the same experience of football if if my team had played in red or green and we were constantly coming up against other teams with similar colours and how frustrating that might be because just on the occasions that has happened to me, you know, it's, you know, even as an adult, it's been frustrating and upsetting and I just think about, you know, if you're a six or seven-year-old who might not want to speak up on, mm-hmm. you know, it's it, it can be heartbreaking really and probably the, the key takeaway message would be, you know, please, let's, let's try and not lose players from the game because they're colourblind. You know, the future Luzi Bronze, Raheem Sterling might be colourblind and yeah. we want them to have positive experiences so that yeah. they keep playing and enjoying the game and, you know, going back to why I do what I do, I, I just want every single person to enjoy football and, you know, for the rest of their life, whether they go on to score the winner, you know, at Wembley in the Euro final, or whether they're playing walking football until they're 80, you know, and yeah. so just some, some simple solutions can make sure that you know, there aren't any barriers for call-blind players and and they've got every opportunity to be able to do that.
0: Yeah, brilliant. Thanks, Ryan. Um, Thanks so much for giving up your time today uh, for this really insightful look at uh, awareness around colour blindness within football. No, you're welcome. Enjoy chatting. Thank you very much, Gary. Cheers, Ryan. Thank you.